to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey there, everyone. I hope you guys had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. I hope everyone was safe, had fun, relaxed, had some good food, some good drinks, and all that good stuff. We're back here on the Red Light Report with a solo sode. And this solo sode is going to be kind of interesting because we're going to cover an array of interesting information as it relates to light and health and red and near-infrared light and all that good stuff, which is kind of the point of the podcast, right? We'll just cover some random topics. I hope you find it interesting. It is really intriguing. And most importantly, it does relate to light. And with that being said, our first topic is sunlight as a nutrient. Of course, in this day and age, especially with diets and all the different diet fads, people put a ton of thought into counting their carbs and and protein and fats and making sure that they're getting all their vitamins and minerals. Yet, most are missing out on a set of key nutrients more powerful than anything that we can get from food, and that is sunlight. And sunlight that falls to earth contains wavelengths from about 250 nanometers to 3,000 nanometers. And of course, sunlight can be split into the colors of the rainbow, just like you see during a rainstorm or, or when it's raining outside, and that same light or rainbow that you see when it passes through a prism. And so what you see is called the visible spectrum of light. It's what us as humans can perceive. There's also light, of course, outside of this visible spectrum that is very important to our health, especially the infrared spectrum and the ultraviolet spectrum. Each color itself helps optimize specific functions in living creatures. So let's go through the main bioactive colors or bioactive spectra of light. The first one is ultraviolet B. And ultraviolet B or UVB makes vitamin D or helps us synthesize vitamin D. It has anti-cancer properties, boosts immunity, which is why it was super important for all of us to be outside during the quarantine the past couple of years is because of that ultraviolet B. It boosts the immunity, which of course is one of the key factors or key risks for for getting sick is when you're immunocompromised. And then also with UVB, it helps create free electrons. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that as a human being, as as a carrier of mitochondria, you want to accumulate as many free electrons as possible to pass through the electron transport chain, which ultimately helps produce ATP, that token of energy, and water or biological water, not the kind that we drink, but uh, that fourth phase water, so to speak, that gelatinous water that's so important for all of our cells and all of the tissues in our body. So that's UVB. Again, makes vitamin D, anti-cancer, boosts immunity, and helps create free electrons. The next neighbor down the road here, so to speak, is ultraviolet A. Ultraviolet A or UVA, less notorious than UVB, of course, with sunburns, but UVA has health benefits as well. It helps lower blood pressure, makes serotonin, helps make melatonin, and reduces pain. So the less well-known of the ultraviolet rays actually has a lot of great benefits. Again, lowers blood pressure, makes serotonin, makes melatonin, and helps reduce pain. 
The next color down the road or the next bioactive form of light is blue light. And of course, this gets a bad rap, especially on this podcast, because that's the predominant wavelength that comes out of technology. And we love to use technology, especially after the sun goes down, whether it's our phones or TVs or tablets or anything in between. That's emitting blue light. And if you're not wearing blue light blockers, then it will wreck your circadian rhythm. If you do it on a consistent basis, there is some research showing that it can elongate your eye even ever so slightly. But that's the first step in myopia. And myopia is kind of the first step to age-related macular degeneration. So there's a good reason why blue light gets a bad rap, but there's also many, many health benefits when you get that natural blue light from full-spectrum sunlight. That's another good point is when you're getting that blue light from technology, you're not getting uh, nearly any, virtually none of the other forms of color or light. It's just that blue light. So it doesn't replicate what we get in nature. So that's another negative component of the blue lit technology is you're just getting this massive, robust infusion of blue light. And it's not negated or paired with red light or yellow or blue or orange or green. You're you're just getting pure blue light. So your body doesn't recognize this fake, massive intake of blue light. It's just not used to that. So it sends mixed signals to your brain. But... When you do get blue light from nature, of course, it helps set your circadian rhythm. That's what happens when you wake up in the morning. You see that sunlight, which has a lot of blue light at that point, which helps raise your cortisol levels, helps inhibit melatonin. So you kind of get that crossover effect in the morning and it helps set your circadian rhythm. And on the flip side, blue light disappears as the sun goes over the horizon. Thus, your cortisol dips, your melatonin rises inherently. So you should get sleepy when the sun goes down. So blue light sets the circadian rhythm. It also helps with sex hormone production. And lastly, it boosts dopamine. So blue light has some critical aspects to health and wellness. Again, sets circadian rhythm, sex hormone production, boosts dopamine. And then we'll get to my two favorite, of course, for the sake of red light therapy. We'll start with red light. And of course, this isn't an all-encompassing list here, But here's some common ones or some important ones as it relates to red light. We have thyroid health. We have skin health, of course. That's one of the number one reasons why people get red light therapy devices is that anti-aging aspect of red light. Of course, it helps reduce nerve pain, helps with injury recovery by reducing inflammation. And the most important one, of course, is mitochondrial health because under that umbrella of mitochondrial health, there's arms to many, many, many different health benefits because mitochondria, as you all know, are in every single cell inside of our body outside of red blood cells. So if we can get red light to that mitochondria, improve its energy production, improve its function, then a lot of good things are going to happen. So again, thyroid health, skin health, nerve pain, injury recovery, and of course, mitochondrial health. And then we get to infrared light. And for clarification, we're talking about near-infrared as it relates to red light therapy. The infrared you get from infrared saunas, however, is predominantly mid and far infrared. When people are comparing red light therapy and the near-infrared of that of red light therapy compared to infrared saunas, it's apples and oranges because that mid and far infrared from saunas does not stimulate the mitochondria, does not drive down inflammation like red and near infrared light does. 
And so in a perfect world, a person should be using red light therapy and an infrared sauna on a consistent basis because they're offering significantly different health benefits. And there's really no overlap or no major overlap. So you don't have to worry about overdoing one or the other because you're using completely different spectra of light. And again, they offer up different health benefits. So as it relates to near infrared, we have it builds EZ water or that fourth phase water, which keeps our, our cells and our tissues hydrated. We have infrared or near infrared as an anti-inflammatory, just like red light, but it goes a little deeper into the body. So again, for review, red light treats the skin, doesn't go any deeper, whereas infrared goes about an inch, inch and a half, maybe two inches, depending on what piece of research you read. So infrared penetrates much deeper, thus you're going to be using near infrared light anytime you're treating something deeper than the skin. Whether that's the brain, the thyroid, the gut, bones, muscles, tendons, what have you, anything deeper than the skin, you must integrate near infrared light. So again, near infrared helps build easy water, is anti-inflammatory, makes cellular melatonin, and just like red, helps with mitochondrial health, but just those cells and tissues at a deeper level. Back to the story at hand here with sunlight being a nutrient, we miss out on all of these frequencies, not just what I mentioned, the UVB, UVA, blue, red, and near infrared, but we miss out on all frequencies by living indoors in this modern lifestyle under artificial light, literally lacks all of these frequencies that I just spoke of. Just like I mentioned before with the blue light technology, it's that excessive, unchanging, non-native blue light that's creating toxicity in our cells and in our mitochondria. Because in nature, when blue light is present in sun, it's always balanced by that infrared and red light. Like I spoke about earlier, when you're on your tablet, when you're on your phone, when you're watching TV, unless you have a panel facing you just like the screen is, balancing that blue light, you're getting zero balance from red and near infrared like you would in nature. And so the red and the near infrared specifically are soothing antidote to this high-powered blue light. When we take in this light, this blue light, outside of its natural form, this processed blue light, you can argue that it's synonymous with only eating processed food. If you're taking in fake light, that's like taking in fake food. How is your body, how are your cells that are went through millions and millions of evolutionary processes under sunlight, how are they supposed to adapt within five years, 10 years, a couple decades of this non-native technological fake light? And how is it supposed to use that fake light as nutrients as it did these past millions, if not billions of years? That's the same story with food. Why would our body, why would our cells want to take in this synthetic, this fake food, whether it's fast food or packaged food, however you want to wrap it, no pun intended, how is our body supposed to thrive with those types of quote-unquote nutrients? Really, they're nutrient-deprived foods. So when we live this modern lifestyle of always being indoors and not just depriving ourselves of full-spectrum sunlight, but immersing ourselves in this non-native light, we're doing ourselves as big, if not a bigger double whammy as when we eat this fake synthetic fast food or wrapped food or however you want to put it once again. So we need to consider that our light environment is as important, if not more important than our food environment, if we want to put it that way. So some food for thought, you know, again with the pun, food for thought though, how many of the hours of the day do you spend under a roof or indoors? 
How many hours of the day are you under some sort of fake lighting or surrounded by screens? And then what's the ratio of that time to the amount of, I would say, minutes that most of us are outdoor on a consistent basis? I'm no better. I spend a lot of time working away in front of my computers and whatnot, but over time, I've definitely gotten much more better about having consistent sun exposure. And again, the clouds could be out. It could be a overcast day, but I'll be outside grounding, getting as much light as possible because those rays are still getting through the clouds to your cells and to your body. If the light wasn't getting through the clouds, it would be dark all the time when the clouds were out. So even though you can't see the sun directly, just by being outside when the sun is up in the sky somewhere, you are still going to get the benefits of that full spectrum sunlight. So our light environment is the foundation upon which our mitochondria decipher the light code from our food. I mean, think about that. The food that you eat, real food, more or less, has been exposed to full spectrum sunlight on a consistent basis. And it's that food, whether it's the corn in the field or the pumpkin or the tomatoes or carrots, what have you, it's that food that you're consuming that's giving your body and your cells real energy. It's literally from the sun as well. But when you're eating fast food or you're eating packaged wrapped food that's processed and laced with who knows how many different synthetic chemicals and and whatnot, that's not the same code or energy that it would get from a carrot or a piece of broccoli. That food that came packaged, that McDonald's Big Mac, how much sunlight did that food see compared to raw veggies or fruit or things that were exposed to the sun on a consistent basis? And consider that food that you're digesting is sending signals, is sending a code to your cells. So again, back to the argument of fake food and fake light, you're either sending your cells, the mitochondria, you're either sending your mitochondria the normal proper signals through full spectrum sunlight and food that's been exposed to light, or you're sending them mixed messages, which leads to, of course, it's a laundry list. Just look at all the health maladies we're having in America alone, all the metabolic diseases, obesity, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's. A lot of this is tied to our environment, both the light environment and the food that we consume, which is either been exposed to the sun or it has not been exposed to the sun. So consider that with the food you eat and the drinks you drink, how much of that has been exposed to the sun versus not. Food for thought. When we eat real food, we'll just call it real food, it helps control electron flow through the mitochondria. The light that enters our eyes controls hormone production, neurotransmitter balance, our microbiome, energy levels, hunger, our mood, and light upon our skin can improve cardiovascular health, make easy water, that fourth phase water, help us synthesize vitamin D, creates free electrons. And so that little tidbit that we just covered there is why sunlight is so important, not just to get exposed to it for your body, for your cells, for your mitochondria, for all the health benefits that we get from UVB, UVA, blue, red, near infrared, but because the impact it has on food that you should be consuming, it should be getting exposed to lots and lots of sunlight. So just take stock of your light environment, both whether you're indoors and outdoors, and whether your food has been predominantly indoors or outdoors. And by optimizing that light environment, both your body and your food, that alone can do tremendous things for your health, wellness, and longevity. Moving along to a slightly different topic, but really not too far from what we just talked about, is adopting some really simple habits. You could call them quantum habits or something a mitochondriac would adopt or or utilizes. It's these small changes 
that make a big impact. And most of them, quite frankly, are free, which makes them even better. Let's just go over them and we'll talk about them one by one. The first thing that you can do to optimize your health, wellness, and mitochondrial function is see every sunrise. A, it sets your circadian rhythm, which when you have a normalized circadian rhythm, that alone leads to a host of health and wellness benefits. It optimizes your hormones by your eyes taking in that light and all the physiological processes that go on due to that. And if you haven't listened to my podcast, Solo Sodes, from I think it was January, I went through about three full solo sodes about why light entering the eye is so beneficial for nearly every aspect of your health. And so that's why this uh, suggestion or this change can have such a massive impact is because by your eyes, simply picking up this light, and again, you have to be outside. You can't be looking at it through glass, and we'll get to that in a second. So you have to be outside looking towards the sun as it's either it's rising or just above the horizon. And again, at that point in the day, it's predominantly red light. So you're getting more or less free red light therapy, but especially those signals that your eyes are picking up again, it's a cascade of healthy benefits that happen. And then it helps facilitate sleep timing because you're outside, you're getting exposed to this sunlight. So your cortisol is going to go up, your melatonin is going to go down, and it's going to help harmonize and normalize that crossover pattern when the sun goes up and then the sun goes down, your melatonin is going to go up naturally, your cortisol is going to be inhibited naturally. So it helps facilitate a normal sleep-wake cycle. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the whitest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. And as my devout favorite podcast listeners in the world, I'm giving you guys an exclusive 20% discount on the Guardian Plus for the month of April only. So go ahead and use coupon code BLUELIGHTPODCAST to get 20% off your Guardian Plus. That's through the month of April in 2022. <laughs> you can get 20% off. Go ahead and use coupon code BLUELIGHTPODCAST to whiten your teeth and improve the health of your oral microbiome. So see every sunrise. And I do this while grounding, which we'll get to in a second here. So I get a little two-for-one action there. Uh, the next suggestion is to drink filtered, remineralized water or, or natural mineral water. For electrolytes and the water itself, they're potent energy sources for our cells. So we've already gone over that the mitochondria actually produce water when they produce energy and electrons go through the electron transport chain. So you have an endogenous supply of water, but of course that's fourth phase water. By consuming the water that you and I are most likely used to, and by adding that uh, remineralized water after filtering out, getting the metals and heavy toxins out, you have clean water, remineralize it. So then you're getting some nutrients 
And that is going to set your cells in your body up for success. Especially if you do this, one of the first things in the morning, you're going to start your body off with the minerals, the energy, the water it needs to really start its day. And so I do this right before I actually head outside to look at the sunrise and do my grounding. Something that you can be doing 24-7 is nasal breathing. And so, of course, oxygen is the final electron acceptor in the mitochondrial electron transport chain. Without it, we cannot make cellular water, that, that fourth phase water that our mitochondria produces, or enough ATP. So nasal breathing, as opposed to mouth breathing, which we're all used to because it's easier to do, there's less restriction to, to breathe through our mouth versus our nose. But when you do breathe through your nose, it literally brings more oxygen into your blood, which brings more oxygen into your tissues and organs, cells, so on and so forth. And I think I mentioned this in an earlier solo sode when I read the book Breath by James Nestor. I forget what the exact number is, but you exponentially increase your nitric oxide production when you breathe through your nose versus your mouth. As simple as that. There's an abundance of health benefits to having an increased nitric oxide production in your body. But of course, the nitric oxide, a byproduct of that is vasodilation. So now your blood and your lymph and all of that stuff has an easier time moving about the body, better circulation. So not only are you going to get nutrients and oxygen to your tissues and to your organs and to your cells, but you're going to allow the garbage and the toxins and the waste to more readily leave and get out of the body. And that's where a lot of sickness happens is when those toxins and waste, so to speak, gets trapped in the body because the restriction is that poor. And actually, that's what happens a lot of times when people start using these healing modalities such as infrared saunas or red light therapies or, or uh, uh, treatment techniques that help improve circulation is there's parts in the body that have been more or less hyperbaric oxygen is another good one. The vessels and the path that the lymph and the blood flows has been restricted to a point where some of that stuff hasn't moved for years, sometimes decades. So when people start doing infrared sauna or they start doing red light therapy or hyperbaric oxygen, they're probably going to get some detox symptoms because finally that garbage is being moved along a path where it's been stuck for who knows how long. So you get those detox symptoms. My point being, nasal breathe consistently, improve your nitric oxide production, improve oxygen to your tissues, get more electrons through your mitochondrial electron transport chain, make more cellular water, produce more ATP. I mean, a lot of great things come simply by nasal breathing. And it's one of those things that seems so simple, but if you've been a mouth breather your whole life, it does take a lot of concentration and constant self-reminding to breathe through your nose, breathe through your nose, breathe through your nose. And even when you're sleeping in bed, for example, for myself, if I'm on my side before I, I like to sleep on my back, but if I'm on my side and my nose feels stuffed, I still force myself to breathe through my nose and it's the weirdest thing. After about 15 to 45 seconds of forcing myself to breathe through my nose, even though it's restricted or it feels restricted, it literally clears up to where it feels like it's fully open. It's crazy. But naturally, as humans, when we feel that restriction through our nose, it doesn't really feel comfortable because it feels like you're kind of suffocating. So then we just breathe through our mouths and you know, on we go with our day or, or our lives. But if you force yourself to slowly and methodically breathe through your nose, I promise you, unless you have some sort of structural issue, it'll actually open up on its own. So it's pretty wild. So nasal breathing, again, simple, free, 
but highly, highly effective. I talked about how you can't watch the sunrise in your house if your windows are closed because the glass blocks most of that infrared light and that red light that you want, let alone the UV light and the benefits we talked about earlier. Those are all key frequencies that the body needs for optimum health. Simply by opening your windows on a consistent basis, it allows these frequencies into your house. So again, you can, you can do the sunrise in the morning, but the window must be open and you have to be looking not through glass, but through nothingness or whatever you want to call it. But the glass can't be there because again, it blocks the red, infrared, and UV light. So either be outside or open the window, but even throughout the day, keep your windows as open as possible and allow those frequencies to get blocked in so they are not as handcuffed, I guess, by modern lifestyle of being indoors. You can actually get some outdoor health by keeping your windows open. Another suggestion, no meals after sunset. And this can be a pretty tough one. A lot of people like to snack at night, and I'm one of those people. But the circadian rhythm of digestion slows significantly around sunset. So of course, this is going to vary depending on the time of year. The sun is going to set much earlier in winter. So that means you'd have to stop eating like at 4, 4.30 sometimes. Whereas right now, according to this paradigm of not eating after the sun sets, you can eat until around 9.30, 10, 10, 15, because the sun's not set yet. So this one you have to kind of be careful with because it does depend on A, where you are on the planet, and then B, what time of the year it is. But again, the circadian rhythm of digestion slows significantly around sunset. This means that the nutrients should have been ingested and digested by the time the sun sets. Sleep is the time for rest, repair, and memory consolidation, not digesting food. And if you do this, if you have like an aura ring or a uh, bio strap or something, you'll notice or you know that there's a major difference between eating close to bed, whether it's snacking or, or a big meal or even having one drink of wine or beer. If it's close to bedtime, it is going to throw your recovery score or your HRV or your resting heart rate in the complete opposite direction you want it to go. So there is definitely a consequence to doing this once in a while, let alone if you do it on a consistent basis, that's an easy way to pack on some pounds. That's an easy way to throw off your circadian rhythm. That's an easy way to lead to some type of metabolic disease, which is a byproduct of mitochondrial dysfunction. So eating after sunset is not good for your health. It's not good for your circadian rhythm. It's not good for your cells or mitochondria. The next one is all screens should be red. We've been over this. This is kind of just a quick review, but blue light from the screens activates dopamine pathways, making screens addictive. I'll say that again because this might be new for some people. Blue light from screens activates dopamine pathways, making screens addictive. So by looking at your cell phone, by scrolling through social media, again, unless you're wearing blue light blockers or unless you have your screen set to red, I would prefer blue light blockers versus just a red screen because there's still blue light coming from that quote unquote red screen. But if you're wearing blue light blockers, then you know you're, you're blocking that blue light. But still, and I do to this day and I have for years on my iPad, on my computer screen, on my cell phone, they all have a red screen and my wife and my parents and my friends and family, when they look at my, especially my cell phone, it's like a whole different device because the colors are completely thrown off and a little different because of that red screen, but I'm so used to it. 
I don't care. And that, that's a small price to pay really for some health wellness and really helping my eyes out as well in the long run. So, so to me, that's, it's just worth it. But regardless, this blue light in these screens increases your dopamine, making them addictive. So again, when you're scrolling through social media, when you're on the internet shopping, I don't know, Amazon, whatever, there's a feedback loop. It feels good to be doing that. And a lot of it has to do literally with the blue light coming from that screen. It's addictive. It's addicting. And and don't think technology companies don't know that. And it's intentionally blue light coming from the screen for that reason. They could very easily change the wavelength coming from the screens to be green light or yellow light or orange light. But they chose blue light because the scientists, I mean, we're going decades back. We're talking 1950s, 60s, 70s. Scientists knew that blue light increased dopamine levels. So if you want consumers to be addicted, well, put blue light in there. That's just like adding sugar to food. It makes it more addictive. You're going to have repeat customers more frequently. So wherever possible, again, back to the point at hand, whenever possible, put that red background on your cell phone, on your tablet, on your computer screen, on your TV screen, and or get blue light blockers that are orange, and it'll do it for you. And again, it's going to make the screen look completely different. It's not as pleasant to look at. And again, that's a good byproduct because then you're going to probably be on it for a shorter duration, which ultimately is going to be better for your health. Because blue light blockers, you can get clear versions. You can get one that has a yellow tint. You can get them that has an orange tint. And they all have different benefits. You'd want to use the orange more so at night because you don't want any blue light getting in. Or when you're using technology, like I just said, wearing that orange hue you're going to completely negate the blue light coming from technology. It'll be less addictive, less pleasurable, and you'll be not only spend shorter durations, but you'll probably go back to your, your phone or your tablet or your computer screen less often because it's just not as pleasurable when you're not getting all that, the full colors, so to speak. So all screens to red. And like I mentioned at the top of this segment about going out and seeing every sunrise, I also do grounding at the same time so my socks are off, my shoes or sandals are off, and I'm just barefoot in the grass. Because you want to ground as much as possible. The Earth's surface contains infinite electrons. And what is something we want to do as human beings? We want to take in as many free electrons as possible. That's going to lead to more ATP production through the mitochondria, water production or that biological water production in our body, keep our cells happy and hydrated. So you want as many electrons as possible. And what are electrons? Also, just as a quick reminder for the audience, they're anti-inflammatory. They're going to help keep our redox potential as net negative as possible. And again, we want to be as net negative as possible because the more negative you are, and this isn't a personality or, or a mood, but the more negative you are, the higher affinity you have for electrons. And the more electrons you have, the less acidic you are, or the more basic you are which means less uh, inflammation. Your, your body, your cells are going to thrive. As we know, inflammation is one of the root causes of a lot of health issues and, and illnesses and cancers and diseases. It's inflammation. So simply by taking in free electrons, you're going to help give yourself some free anti-inflammatory treatment by doing this grounding. So we can conduct these electrons into our body via our connective tissue and easy water to bring the negative charge into the cells. So again, not only are we going to get some increased ATP production by watching the morning sunrise, but we're going to turn that energy production, which produces ATP and water, and we're going to use that water that's produced 
to bring in that net negative charge from Earth. And we're going to help improve our redox potential. We're going to help reduce inflammation systemically. The goal should be 10 to 15 minutes on a consistent basis daily. It's better to do 10 minutes one day or every single day than to do 60 minutes one day a week. That same thing goes for exercise. If you exercise for two hours one day or 30 minutes, you know, five or six days a week, who's going to be healthier? It's about consistency. It's not about quantity at one given time. It's about consistency. Another suggestion, turn off the lights, meaning that fake light in your house, because lights contain an unnatural, unvarying spectrum of light. Just like I talked about with blue lit technology, it's basically all blue light and nothing else. Whereas in nature, it's balanced by the full spectrum and then the UV and the infrared. So we need to decrease our exposure to this fake light. And that can be the fluorescent lights. I mean, think about all the office workers who are underneath fluorescent lights for eight to 10 hours every single day, five days a week. We know very well at this point that those fluorescent lights lead to decreased attention span, eye fatigue, headaches, migraines, mood disorders. That's the impact of light. So let's turn off the lights. Let's get out of those unnatural wavelengths and get out in the sun or when possible, again, opening the windows, allowing natural sunlight in and when possible, turning off the lights in the house when the sun goes down. Because again, if the sun goes down and you still have your lights on in the house, fluorescent lights probably, or LEDs, then that's no better than being in front of your your cell phone. Because your eyes, your brain's still going to think that it's daytime when the sun is already set. So if you can make it a habit of turning off as many lights as possible when the sun goes down, or even well before the sun goes down, again, you're going to set your body, you're going to set your circadian rhythm up for success. And lastly, love and gratitude. Again, how easy and free are these? Because thoughts and emotions are also frequencies, just like all other electromagnetic waves in, in the quantum field. When you vibrate out, when you give off this love, and when you're grateful and express gratitude, whether it's internally or you're saying it out loud, again, you're going to vibrate at a higher frequency with those emotions. You're going to send a frequency into the field that reverberates back and creates your reality in real time. And so that's kind of getting into the quantum side of things. But when you emote, when you express, when you give off emotions of love and gratitude, they're going to come right back at you from a quantum perspective. So keep that in mind, your mental frame of work, so to speak. If you're always negative Nancy or negative Ned, or you're always down in the dumps and you're always playing victim mode or woe is me, that Eeyore mentality, you're going to get that same vibration right back to you. And it's just going to create this vicious cycle where that's going to even put you more into a negative attitude and you're going to get more negative vibrations back to you. So compare that to someone who's always happy, always positive, showing nothing but love. They're grateful for everything they have and they might have very little, but they're grateful. And those people are constantly getting these positive frequencies shot right back at them. And again, this is a little maybe superficial or some people might think this is a little out there, but the quantum field and the quantum reality is pretty complex and deep and tough to comprehend. But I assure you, exuding love and gratitude is something that's free and can certainly improve your health and wellness. So just as a small recap of these potential small changes for big impact, we have 
see every sunrise. Drink filtered and remineralized water. Nasal breathing all the time. Open the windows. Keep the sunroof open. Just allow as much light into you and onto you as possible, whether you are indoors or you are in a car. Some way, get that glass out of the way and get that sunlight to you. No meals after sunset. All your screens should be red. Grounding. Turn off the lights and then love and gratitude. So I hope you found this information in this episode, both about the impact of light itself, but then these small, simple, free changes you can do that can drastically impact your health. These are things you can do before spending any ounce of money on technology or medical help or or even a book, really. Do those small changes and see what happens after two to four weeks. Increased energy, increased mood. You're going to be more productive. You're going to be more positive. Your health and vitality will shoot up. It just feels good to be good. That's the uh, underlying theme here. And that's why we're all here learning about light is that here's this thing we're all surrounded by that can positively or negatively impact us. But as long as we understand it, then we can use it to our benefit or we can mitigate the negative benefits. So with that being said, I hope you guys found this podcast, this episode, this solo episode interesting. If you guys like it, I'll do more similarly styled solo episodes going forward because I think it's important. We, we know quite a bit about red and near infrared and I'll, I'll continue to report on exciting research that comes out. And a lot of that's going to come out with the fourth edition of the ebook that I'll be releasing here in the next couple of weeks. But I think it's also important to look a little bit outside of light at these other impacts or other ways that we can positively alter our mitochondrial health. But of course, light's a big one. And if we go back to one of my mentors, Dr. Jack Cruz, he's all about light, water, and magnetism. And in that order, he would advocate for, you need to optimize your light environment first. Water is a very close second. And then magnetism, both grounding and getting away from all that non-native EMF, such as you know the 5G, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, all that stuff. So if we can optimize our light water magnetism, we're going to be doing very, very well. So again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, reach out to me, whether it's through social media, email or whatever, if you have suggestions for topics you want to hear about, whether it's red light therapy or mitochondrial health, I'll be sure to include it in, in future episodes. And as always, guys, I appreciate every single one of you for listening to this episode, for listening to this podcast overall. I appreciate all of your support and you know willing to listen to this information and, and the knowledge. And so I'd be extremely grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving a quick five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you use them. Again, you don't necessarily have to leave a long testimonial, leave a couple of positive words, or even just leave that quick five-star review because the more reviews that this podcast, The Red Light Report, can get, the more exposure people will get to this information. And if you feel like it's it's important information, useful information, practical and impactful information, then be sure to help share it with your friends and family and leave that five-star review. So again, I'd be extremely grateful for that. But as always, guys, enjoy the rest of your day, wherever you are, whatever time of day it is. And as always, light up your health, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.